right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Derek Johnson with Lane Gillespie. We are going to... I uh, have some more audio to share for you today from Big 12 Media Days with KU Football, Lance Leipold, Jalen Daniels, Kenny Logan to get to on today's show. We're also going to be joined by Mark McKee, who is the president of uh, the Kansas City Monarchs, the baseball team. Um, they have a KU night going on on Saturday. We're going to actually give away two family four packs to the game. One of them we're going to be doing here on air at the end of the three o'clock hour here. The other one we're going to do on social media um, on my Twitter account, which I'll release that coming up here in about 40 minutes. And then Jamie Likas uh, is going to join us at 4 o'clock. He is uh, with the Junior Lions football program. They're registering and, and trying to get some kids uh, so that they can have enough teams to compete in everything. So we'll talk with Jamie. We're going to have a fast food characters draft with Scott Jason, and we have our KU football positional preview of fullbacks and tight ends coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Kansas City Royals are in Toronto today for the start of a four-game set. We mentioned yesterday that it was announced 10 players on the Royals' Major League roster are not going to make it down there to Toronto. I guess up there. I don't know. Whatever. Depends which way you look at the map. Um, Up to Toronto uh, because they are not vaccinated. And, you know, for most of the people, I think, most people were like, listen, maybe, you know, even if I don't agree that you should or shouldn't be vaccinated or whatever, like, I get it, like, you do what you want to do. But the Whit Merrifield comment that he made went above and beyond that because he basically said in the comment, yeah, but if I get traded and, and I end up playing on a team that's playing Toronto in the playoffs, then I'll get it. So it's like, right. <laughs> what is your hesitation to get it? You're just basically throwing your team and, and the Royals under the bus that hey, you know what, if I would have thought we were going to be better coming into the season, I would have got it because I would have thought we would have had a better chance thought, of playing the playoffs. Yeah, like, that's how I read it too. Yeah, that just signals <laughs> that you're being kind of a crummy teammate uh, and everything. And, you know, you're talking about a guy who, fan favorite for a handful of years, and a lot of that goodwill just went out the window uh, for him. And, and certainly it affects the the trade uh, market for certain guys, whether it's teams that have to play in Toronto over the back half. No, New York, for instance, the Yankees only have one series in Toronto in the back half, so only three games. But it's also the you know possible risk that you could have to play Toronto in a playoff series. And if it's a best of five series and you're missing him for 40% of the games, you miss him for two games in Toronto, like how much do you really want to give up for the guy? And uh, so the Yankees reportedly who were seen as one of the teams most interested in guys like Michael A. Taylor and Andrew Benintendi have now been reported to say that 
They're not really interested anymore. So clearly it's going to hurt the Royals from a standpoint of having a bunch of teams that drive up the market, that drive up the cost for what it's going to take to acquire these guys. There's just less teams, which means you know less demand, and you're going to get less supply out of the deal, which is unfortunate there. Uh, so the Royals called up eight players today. Uh, possibly could have two more at some point over the course of the series. Nick Prado is the most notable. That's actually exciting there to see Nick Prado up. And then uh, Sebastian Rivero, Michael Garcia, Angel Zerpa, uh, Nate Eaton, Freddie Furman, Brewer Hicklin, and Michael Massey are going to join him. Um, I, I'm i not going to lie. It would be really, really funny, and I'm actually very much rooting for this to happen. It would be very funny if uh, the Royals, this was the best they looked all season. Like they, go out, they sweep <laughs> the Blue Jays over the four-game set. They win like 10-2 to two tonight or something like that. And they're doing it with all these guys who are like double A and triple A players. Well, I mean, the thing is, I also know that these minor leaguers are thinking, okay, this is my shot. I got to pull this off. Oh, 100%. That is kind of the cool part of this that um, there's not a guarantee that all these guys would make it up. Like, you'd like to think that a lot of them would have a good shot and like Nick Prado was going to make it up anyway. But in the case of some of these guys, you never know if things stall out in double A or triple A. Like, it's really hard to make that next jump. Even if they never make it from here, they can at least say that, yeah, I got a cup of coffee in the big leagues, which that's really cool and good for them. Um, For Nick Prado, like I said, that's the one that is the most interesting of those names because, you know, he's a highly rated prospect for the Royals. And it gets a little clunky with with figuring out what you're going to do with all these players, uh, potentially, when you have Vinny Pascantino, who's the first baseman, Nick Prado, who's the first baseman, MJ Melendez, who if Salvador Perez is catching – might have to play first base or DH, and if you're taking the DH spot, where do you play the two first basemen? You know, do you play Nick Prado in in one of the corners of the outfield? Like, what do you do with those situations? They can figure that out later. But this is a guy that has high prospect pedigree, and I don't really think it's a situation where if Nick Prado over these next four games, you know, uh, let's say he goes five for twelve in the games, and he looks really, really good. He looks ready for major league pitching. I don't necessarily think that guarantees that he would like stay on the roster from then on, but a good showing in the major leagues would certainly go a long way once we do get to that trade deadline. And, you know, if you're shipping away Andrew Benintendi, Michael A. Taylor, Whit Merrifield, whoever, any of these players, that opens up a roster spot on your major league roster. And that's what really all these guys, but especially Nick Prado, have the opportunity to to kind of show uh, over the next four games. Well, the issue is, is that, yeah, they have these next four games to show up and show out, and then they're going to get five days off. Mm-hmm. So that's the other <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, you know, it'll be a while before we see, like, Andrew Benintendi and Whit Merrifield and everything in uh, a Royals uniform. Okay, uh, we have these Westwood One uh, open updates here in, in the first hour of the show, so we got to scoot out of the way here in less than four minutes, and then we're going to get to some some KU audio. Um, but how about this? It's officially been 1,000 days since Texas last beat Kansas in football. That <laughs> seems so long, but it makes sense, right? You have the win last year. Uh, the year before, the game got canceled because of COVID. And then you go all the way back another full calendar year, essentially, before you get to the last one. And, and it's, it's not just like... Even the games that Texas has won in recent memory, like I think back to the one a handful of years ago in Lawrence, and I think Texas only was like 24-17, like that was a close game. Um, There was the game in Austin in 2019, which was the last Texas win, that honestly, 
Kansas probably should have won. I mean, that, that was Brent Deerman, I, I think, just taking over as offensive coordinator. Maybe his yeah, second that was game his or first day. It was, that his, was first his first game. game. Okay. Yeah. And he just put on, they, they put on an absolute show offensively. I think, what was it, five, six hundred yards on offense? It was insane. I mean, yeah. Puka ran for 150, 200. Carter Stanley was throwing it over the lot to, uh, you know, Dalen Charlotte and Stephon Robinson and, and Andrew Parchment and all those guys. And, um, Texas had to hit a last second field goal to, to win the game, but Kansas probably should have won that game. So, I mean, at that point, you go back even further, but even then, like there have been some other games that have been kind of closer than you would expect in recent memory. You also have the other win in Lawrence. I forget if that would have been 2016, yep. maybe. That sounded about right. Correct. Um, there's another road one in there where KU kind of hung in there by a couple touchdowns. Um, <laughs> they've done really well against Texas. And that's what's interesting to me. Like when you look at what Big 12 teams could you could you beat, I know it doesn't technically matter. Like if you had a series against a team where they beat the brakes off of you the last, you know, eight times you played them and uh, they beat you by 50 on average for most of those games. Like, yeah, the guys you have on your roster, the guys they have on their roster, they're not the same from the ones that were on the team six years ago or seven years ago. But I don't know. It just it, it feels like when you have those series, like the Baylor series, Kansas has consistently been blown out by Baylor. Uh, like the TCU series and the Texas series, for whatever reason, those have been a lot closer yeah. <laughs> than you would expect. And, and maybe that's where we should just look at, like in terms of as we go into the year and be like, well, who could KU beat in football? And I mean, West Virginia series has been close as well. KU hasn't gotten over the hump and, and earned a victory there. Uh, the first half of the West Virginia series did not really go well, but the most recent ones kind of have been close. Um, maybe that's just what we should look at. Maybe we should just say that, yeah, you know what, historically, over the last handful of years, KU's played these teams close, see well, if I they mean, can get over the hump. Well, I mean, even the Texas Tech game, some of them have been close. Think about the win in yep. 2019. Um, so it's just, isn't it just weird that it's just the Texas team? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why that is. I wonder if there's something to do with the fact of KU having so many players from the state of Texas on their roster. I mean, uh, because it's a situation where you know, if if they're coming to KU in a lot of their cases, like maybe KU out recruited them over Texas Tech or something. But if Texas or Texas A and M or something comes calling, they're probably going to take that offer if they're from the state of Texas, right? And so, yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe that just gives an extra chip on their shoulder. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Uh, real quick, favorite memory from that Texas game outside of the Jared Casey two point conversion? The pick six at the end of the first half by Jacoby Bryant. Definitely, because at that point it was 35-14. I was like, we have oh, a do really legit shot at this. Yeah, because I, I was not quite as confident at 28-14. I'm going to be honest. I would say the um, Devin Neal, this wasn't even like in the game, but Devin Neal after the game being like, I got to call my mom and yeah. see that video. That was uh, really cool. Or just the Brian Haney, David Lawrence reaction. That was really cool as well. All right, uh, we got to take a timeout. Westwood won the open update now. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Elaine Gillespie and joined now by Mark McKee who's the president of the Kansas City Monarchs. They have KU Night coming up on Saturday, and actually we have two four-packs to give away. We're going to give one away on air at the end of this segment. We have another one you can give away. Just go to my Twitter account, at DJohnsonRadio. 
give it a like, and we're going to pick a random winner later in the show today. So, Mark, thanks for joining us uh, on the show today. You just got back from the uh, All-Star game for everything. How'd that all go, and, and how would you assess the first part of the season for you guys? Hey, Derek. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, the Chicago, uh, we played the Chicago, well, we were up in the Chicago Dogs ballpark, uh, which, by the way, uh, the Chicago Dogs are also owned by a KU alum, uh, Sean Hunter. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we, uh, the, we're in the West Division and we won. And, uh, and Thompson uh, from our team got the, uh, the uh, trophy for the, uh, during the home run derby. So it was a lot of fun. And right now we are uh, two games back uh, from first place and uh, just picking up some speed right now. We're, we're, we're behind Fargo and, and they're, they're, they've been playing great. Yeah, but certainly right in that competition for for the top of the the league, and um, obviously last year you win the American Association. Um, I mean, that's quite the success story. You talk about missing out with the COVID year and everything, and what you guys have done over these past couple of years. I, I don't really have as much of a question here, just more of a comment that that's that's pretty impressive what you guys have done here, uh, especially ever since changing over to the team name with you know Association of the Negro Leagues Museum to the Monarchs. Yeah, it's it's been great. I mean, we're we're honored to be able to uh, carry the uh, the monarch's name forward, you know, and and we're proud of the fact that every time we sell a ticket or a T-shirt, that some of that money goes to uh, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. What would you say for for people who haven't been to a game yet? What is your guys' strength? What what are things you do well? Players to watch, things of that nature. You know, lots. It's it's a very. Uh, I mean, all these kids are doing everything they can to. Uh, Either get into the major leagues or get back into the major leagues. So they hustle. It's a lot of offense. Uh, you know, 23 of our players last year actually made it back into affiliated ball, which shows twice as many as any other team. You know, it's, it's a little bit of you know sweet and sour when you, you lose somebody, but for that for these kids, you know, they're they're realizing a dream, and so that's that's pretty cool. Talking with Mark McKee of the Kansas City Monarchs here, as I mentioned, Saturday is KU night. I think you guys are officially calling it Jayhawk Jam. Um, so if you could talk us through kind of some of the events going on and, and everything you have ongoing on Saturday. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we're, we're also in the entertainment business, so we like to uh, mix it up out there and, and do things that are a little bit unconventional. And I think we're kicking the night off uh, early on with a uh, – Hot uh, hot sauce contest on the dugout uh, with Stephen St. John, and, and then uh, we'll have uh, I think the KU bands there and cheerleaders, and uh, it'll be fully uh, uh, crimson and uh, blued out. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have the Twinkie toss that night, and, and, I, and I think uh, cheap beer. So it's going to be a good time. I think we'll sell it out. We're getting, we're getting close. Hey, you got Stephen St. John, Missouri alumni. What's up with that, man? Yeah, yeah, you, you think he'd be coming Friday night, but you know he likes to, you know, if it's around food, he likes to be there. So he'll be. We did we did a hot we did a hot uh, well it was hot pepper contest last year. We ran for the season, so he kind of ran that. So that was kind of fun. Maybe you guys can uh, convince him, bring him to the good side. <laughs> That's right. Good luck with that. Uh, so as far as you know, merchandise or or anything special, uh, are there going to be any like you know? KU themed shirts or, or hats or anything like that that are going to be yeah, on sale. We, we do. In fact, we've got at our website, you know, KC Monarchs or I'm sorry, MonarchsBaseball.com. We got a special. I think it's like twenty four bucks, twenty five bucks, and you get a ticket. 
and you get this kind of really cool commemorative Monarchs Jayhawk shirt, T-shirt. Um, so just go to our website, and you can pick that up online and go in. And, and, and the game's at 6 o'clock. Uh, you know, gates open at 4. Uh, so there's plenty of things to do before the game. And, and uh, I think we're going to have some good weather, too. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got some prizes and some other things that we'll be giving away that night as well. Cool, and and as you mentioned, you're a KU alum yourself. So, so what are kind of your ties to the university? How how far do you go back into your uh, your KU fandom? I guess. Sure. Well, when I when I was a sophomore at KU, I started a business called Pyramid Pizza. Uh, so that was back in uh, back in the '80s, and uh, so I spent a lot of time there and uh, at KU, and uh, love it. You know, and I'm back quite a bit uh so we just opened a pyramid pizza uh at the ballpark also so braided braided crust and honey you know everything everything you remember yeah uh i have multiple questions on that end um one uh my wife would kill me if i didn't ask but i'm gonna need you to give me the uh recipe for for bones um because that was like (laughs) her favorite thing of all time to eat here in lawrence um and she would get the pesto sauce on the side you dip it into it. I liked it dipped in the ranch and everything. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a longstanding rumor. You can help us get to the bottom of this. In Lawrence, with obviously the wheel um, in town and that they sell their pizza, and, you know, the, yeah. the longstanding rumor is, is the wheel pizza essentially is pyramid pizza. So do you, do you have kind of the backstory to this whole thing? <laughs> well, <laughs> when, when, when my friend and mentor, John Wooden, uh, passed away, who owned the wheel, and we had done everything on a handshake. And at that time, I, I you know, long story short, is I, I promised the uh, I'd sell the business to my manager and his wife and and uh, and Nobby, who's a friend. Um, he wanted to do pyramids, so I I, I I they moved it down onto Mass, and uh, and and he hired somebody, and they rebranded it uh, Wheel Pizza, and and that braid seemed to stick a little bit. So it was, it's been around for a while, but. Uh, I'm I'm I, I'm always at the wheel whenever I'm in Lawrence, uh, and so it's, it's I got good fond memories from up there. Awesome. Well, uh, Mark, as as far as getting tickets, like you said, almost sold out. So I'm sure you know you got to hurry. Uh, what's the easiest way? What are different ways that, that people can get tickets for Saturday? Really, the the best quickest way is to just go online, get to monarchsbaseball.com, and uh, I would recommend you know get the package with the T-shirt, you know. I mean, it's a really affordable, uh, you know, good time to come out to a Monarchs game if you've never done it before. And we do some, we do some fun stuff. Was last year we did a uh, uh, oh the um, uh, what's from the from the Step Brothers movie? Um, we did Catalina Wine Mixer night. Yeah, okay. And so uh, we, we 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 dropped Riggle off on the field. You say you got to have Riggle for that. Yeah. So you know, we we do some stuff that's a little bit unorthodox. And that's always fun. That's awesome. Well, Mark, I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, we're going to do a ticket giveaway here in a second. Um, but I appreciate it. And, yeah, looking forward to having some uh, some fun this weekend out there. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Take right. care. That is Mark McKee from the Kansas City Monarchs. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Lane Gillespie. I am Derek Johnson. All right. Uh, real quick, before we go to the top of the hour, take a break here, we're going to be joined by Jamie Likas of the uh, Junior Lions football coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We got a four-pack to give away to that KU night uh, for the Kansas City Monarchs coming up on Saturday at 6 o'clock. 
All you got to do if you're interested, we have another chance to win on my social media at D Johnson Radio. You just got to like the tweet. We're going to pick a random winner. But if you want to just call in right now, give us a call. 785. Gosh dang. I, I always forget if it's 843. <laughs> I'm sorry. 785-843-1321. 785-843-1321. Caller number five. You're getting a four-pack to the Kansas City Monarchs. We're going to take a timeout. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas Collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear, plus they look really cool, and they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, that's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right, code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. Back for another draft with Scott Chasen. Uh, I guess first things first, Scott, obviously no longer with, you know, on the job of the KU beat and everything and having to cover all that. Um, do you like going down to Big 12 Media Days? Uh, like, are you, are you sad you weren't down there in Dallas this year, or are you happy that you uh, avoided that task? Well, I actually always liked Media Days, and there's kind of this weird sect of media um, that actually thinks that Media Days are, like, worthless, and I think if um, and I can say this now because I'm not on the beat and I don't have to suck up to anyone. I think if you're bad at your job and you ask bad questions, then yes, Big 12 media days are worthless. If you Boom. go down there to ask, Coach, what are your expectations for the season? How many wins are you thinking? Like, yeah, Big 12 media days are going to be worthless. But if your goal is to you know, get to know a little bit more about the personal side of people or players, understand their motivations, talk to a diverse group of coaches and uh, from all different places and players with different backgrounds, then I've always thought it's incredibly valuable and incredibly fun. And so, yeah, personally, I was a huge fan of Big 12 Media Days. Um, even the year that uh, last year when KU didn't even make it on the plane and get down there, I, I spent a lot of my time talking to other elite Big 12 running backs about what advice they would have for Devin Neal. And I thought that was a really fun story that, quite frankly, you could only do at a place like Big 12 Media Days. So, yeah, I've always enjoyed that event. I think it's great. And I think uh, I think the Lawrence beat, does a, the KU beat, does a great job covering it, too. All right. Well, that was, that was very nice. Um, so, today we are going to be drafting fast food characters. And this all started whenever the uh, Rock Shock Round Ball Classic was. So, about a month ago, something like that. And... Um, at the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic, they had, like, the McDonald's, you know, some of the mascots out there. I don't know. They had three or four of them or something. And Grimace um, became a, a topic of conversation among us. I said that he would be, uh, you know, that he would dominate, you know, whoever, like, uh, Yudoka Azubuki in the post or something like that. I don't remember exactly what I said. Um, but that he's just a low down low. Uh, you disagreed. So uh, this turned into a... You know, eventually I, I saw something over the weekend of uh, Grimace and, and basketball or something, and I thought, well, what if we did McDonald's characters as uh, the draft here? But then you kind of go through, and it's like, how many McDonald's characters are people going to actually know? You know, it's, it's not fun for people to vote on if they don't know who we're picking. So uh, we decided to expand on this. We're just going to do fast food characters in general, 
but we haven't really talked about this till now. There's kind of like a, a weird line of, of how do we figure this out? Like, uh, first of all, what is considered fast food? Second of all, as far as, you know, fast food characters, are they fictional? Can they be real? Uh, is like if you're the logo, is that good enough to be a character, so to speak? You know, what about like uh, the guy with the deep voice on the Arby's commercial? Is he a, a fast food character? I don't know. There's a lot of questions I have here. Yeah, well, I have thoughts. Um, my thought is, one, I love the Arby's deep voice guy. I didn't even think about that. He is nowhere near my draft board. Um, I think that's a great pick. I think the hat for Arby's could be a great pick. I am game with, first of all, any anything in the realm of fast food. You can stretch it. And I'd like to go a step further. Uh, I, I think we can not only include mascots and characters, but if your brand, like you are the company spokesperson, then I think you should absolutely be fair game to be taken. I can give a couple examples, and we can see if you agree. Like, if you wanted to draft Papa John um, from Papa John's, I would not draft him for several reasons, but if you wanted to. I'm going to have him uh, heading my PR team. Yeah, well, hey, if I, I would go a step further. If you wanted to take, uh, I wouldn't take this person, but Derek, I know you might, uh, Jared Fogel then I think you should be allowed to do that, too, as kind of the subway spokesman. So um, that's where I'm at, and let me know if you agree or disagree. Well, I, I don't agree that I will be taking them, um, so I'm not going to fall for that trap. But, yeah, I agree. I'm good with that. Um, and, yeah, as far as what constitutes, like, fast food, you know, if you have a problem with it, then we can address it when one of us picks one. Like, I don't think, you know, like, if you pick something from, and I don't even know what, like, the mascot or what you would pick, but just hypothetically, like, a Chili's or an Applebee's, like, those are not fast food, clearly. But I do agree, like a Subway or like a Starbucks or whatever, like you don't think of those as fast food because I think the first image that comes in your mind when you think of fast food is like fried food or like greasy food or something. Uh, no, fast food is just, it's literally that, like food that you get that is fast that you can walk in and, and quickly get it and leave, although Starbucks like takes forever in line. Okay, uh, so anyway, we've established those rules. If we have any problems, like I said, we'll address them as we go in the draft. Uh, do you have a preference, whether you go first or second? Um, I have ulterior motives for this draft after dominating our last draft and candidly feeling that I should have won two others that you won the vote in um, because I've literally only won one of these votes. Uh, my goal is actually to get under 10% of the vote in this draft. Um, I, I am going to draft a team of eclectic and fun, goofy characters, and I have no shot of winning. I'm acknowledging that based off my draft board. You will take this more seriously, but I will consider it a win if I can go under 10% here. So if you actually win, you feel like you failed? Um, depending on some of my draft picks and whether or not you allow them into the draft, yes. Uh, that, would be, that would be a fair assertion. Okay. Um, I kind of want to give you the first pick. Uh, you need to flip a coin for this because I really don't want the first pick. I don't even know if I have a coin. I'll just take the first pick then. If you really don't want the first pick, it's not a big deal. Uh, I have a coin. We need to keep okay. the integrity of these drafts. Would you like heads or tails? Uh, tails never fails, baby. It is tails. Okay. Uh, then I'm giving you the first pick. Sorry. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll take LeBron James, the spokesman for Blaze Pizza. All right. Come on. What? Yep. We just established the rules that you could take spokespeople for a company. LeBron James is owner and spokesperson for Blaze Pizza. What is I will Blaze be taking LeBron Pizza? James. Oh, sorry. I will be sticking him at the power forward position. No, I, I would is, like to play LeBron James what at is, the floor. What is Blaze Pizza? 
Well, we have them in the Kansas City area. It is a pizza fast food chain. You go in line. They make it, you know, like a pie size. I think that's fast food. I think that counts. I, I don't like this right off the bat. You can have the first pick, and I will take my LeBron pick away, but I want second and third picks if I'm not allowed to take LeBron James. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I don't even know what to do with this because now it makes me think that you're going to have – also, if you said you wanted under 10% of the vote, how are you going to get under 10% of the vote with LeBron James on your team? Um, oh, I assumed you wouldn't allow LeBron James into this draft because it would kind of ruin it. But that was literally my whole setup. For, no, you know uh, what? Whatever. First part of the Whatever. You can have LeBron. It's fine. No, I don't want LeBron. I'll take a different pick. I'm taking <laughs> Grimace. He's going at the five. No. That's my first pick. I want Grimace. He's playing the five. Now your turn. All right. This is stupid. Uh, <laughs> I was going to take Grimace first. He's a bowling ball. Yeah, I know. He's a, uh, a giant human. He is a lovable person, uh, follows the coach's orders directly. Okay, uh, I will go with another McDonald's character then. I will go with the Hamburglar. I don't know if the Hamburglar is going to play the two or the three, maybe even the one as of now. I just know he's a guard. Um, Mm -hmm. You know the Hamburglar is sneaky. You know he's crafty. He's probably a defensive pest, right? Like think uh, Patrick Beverly. Um, that's what I'm thinking there with the, the Hamburglar. He's going to be a lockdown defender on that end. He's going to lead the basketball game, the country, the the nation, the world, the universe in steals. Um, so the mm-hmm. Hamburglar is going to be my first pick. And then my real quick, real yeah, quick, yeah. what are you basing that off of? Just that his name is the Hamburglar. Well, he steals hamburgers. I don't know. Okay, okay, just making sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't, I don't have, like, 40 times in verticals on these guys. Okay, uh, pick number two. I'm going to go with the king from Burger King. Hmm. And I'm going to put him at the four. He looks like a bigger dude. Um, I also, <laughs> this is silly. I saw a uh, an article in, in doing preparation for this that was the top 20 fast food characters that you would least want or, or that would like beat you up the most in a fight or something like that and he was number one and I kind of agree he's kind of got that like creepy ish smile where it's like hey I could throw down at any moment now I think he'd be a, a physical brute force in the post he's a king so you know he's uh you know been been taken care of right he probably has personal trainers and everything probably has a personal basketball coach uh give me the king mm-hmm. from Burger King at the four yeah, so just to be clear, Derek had a problem with me taking a king, but he can oh, take yeah. a king. Okay, that's completely understandable. No, it makes sense. I totally get it. All right, my board has been decimated, um, mostly because I hated all the people that I put on it. So let's look through. Okay, here we go. I'm going to take – Oh, you I, I was just going to say, by the way, um, if you would have stuck with LeBron, I was going to take Shaq from Papa John's um, – since he's a spokesperson there as a center, but since you have retru- you've retracted your LeBron pick, I, I am avoiding Shaq. You know what? It would kind of be funny if we, when you tweet these teams out, you put prime LeBron and prime Shaq just on each <laughs> of our teams. I kind of want to do that. If you're game to do that, I think that would be very funny. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, so my next pick, let's see. Uh, I hate all my options. I'm going to take Jack from Jack in the Box, and I'm going to put him at the four. Um, he seems kind of mysterious. I don't really know what's going on with his 
facial facial expressions. Seems like he's usually either smiling a lot or frowning a lot. So I guess he kind of flips the switch and goes from um, good teammate to intense competitor. But uh, yeah, there are very few mascots that I actually think would be good at basketball. So um, Jack is from Jack in the Box is my pick. Any thoughts? Um, I think he looks kind of lean and, and lanky, so he might have good height and, and length on him. That's a good thing. I I think that one thing. Um, as I'm going to go through some of these, like I, there's some guys that I'm not going to draft and we'll get to as like an honorable mention thing here at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing of note is having hands or having like opposable thumbs or things like that. There's normal extremities that, that lend themselves to being able to play basketball. He has those things, which are good. Yeah. Um, okay. Then I, I feel better about that pick. I, I'm also telling you right now, I'm not going to pick Ronald McDonald. I just, I, I don't want the vibes on my team. He kind of creeps me out. Not a fan <laughs> of the Ronald McDonald. So you can, you can build your okay. all little, you know, all-star fancy, whatever team, but I'm going to go my own way. Uh, and I'm going to get my own talents. And at the two guard, I want what a guy from Whataburger. <sighs> Never heard of this guy before doing this, but he looks like a superhero. I think he probably flies, although I don't know if that's actually true. And Whataburger is amazing. You know, there are always people who go to Whataburger who are like, oh, it's disappointing. And it's always like, what'd you get? And they're like, a hamburger. It's like, no, you get the honey barbecue chicken strip sandwich. You get the honey butter chicken biscuit. Whataburger does not have the best burger and fries, but it has the best other things, just like what a guy will do all of the other things for my imaginary basketball team. He was actually next on, on my board. He was my highest ranked remaining. He, yeah, you're right. He looks like a superhero. I literally had that written down, the, the same question you asked. Can he fly? Um, does he have super strength? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, that's a great pick. Uh, what position did you say you're playing him at? I'm, I'm putting him at the two guard, I think. Okay. Uh, by the way, I, I do agree with you on the Whataburger thing. Like, the burgers or whatever. Like, the chicken's good and everything. But that's that's why I don't understand this whole idea of, like, you know, when we get into this debate of, for instance, like, In-N-Out versus Whataburger. It's like, what are we doing here? That's like comparing an ice cream shop to a candy shop. Like, they're just different. They're different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can I take it a step further? Uh, you know, like Andy's frozen custard they have in the city, and then there's like Betty Ray's mm-hmm. ice cream. Like if I was comparing the two of them, uh, you're comparing custard and ice cream, which are very similar. I get it. But if I want a custard mix, I'm not going to go to, ice. you know, an ice cream. If I want ice cream, I'm not going to the custard place. So I think you got to know the difference. I, I very much agree. And that's a very mature take from a Californian such mm. as yourself. Yeah. I just They're just different. I just, I just, you know, the better comparison is like if you compared, I don't know, whatever. I, I don't want to get into it. But anyway, we, you get the point there. Okay, my next pick, because you took what a guy, I, uh, or what a guy, I don't know which way it's pronounced. Um, I, I have to get somebody who has like superhero-like qualities to kind of balance that off. Oh, no. How about Subman from Subway? I didn't even know this what? was a thing either. I know, right? Um, <laughs> his name is Subman. He, he is the same kind of thing. He is like this superhero molded person. And if you look at the mascot, he has a six pack. He's super tall. I mean, if he has a six pack, he must be really athletic. So I'm going to, I'm going to draft Subman and I'm going to put him as a three. He's the perfect wing. He's going to be athletic. He's going to kill it in transition. He's in great shape. And then, I'm looking at him. He's yeah. a sandwich. You just drafted a sandwich. But he has hands. He has a six pack. He's tall. What makes him a man? He's literally just a sandwich with legs. It's the legs and the hands that make him a man. He's half sandwich, half man. Okay, I I guess that's a a good pick for you. He was not on my board. 
<laughs> okay, so I have another pick here. Um, well, you've already told me you're not going to take Ronald McDonald, so like I could wait on him. Although I do agree, I don't love the creepiness there. And do I really know if Ronald McDonald is a good athlete? Not really. And also, I would have the the, the budding tension between the Hamburglar and Ronald McDonald. So I uh, shouldn't go with that. I could go with my coach here. You yeah. will not take my coach. I can guarantee you, you will be upset slash annoyed with who my coach is, but I think it's a great pick. Okay. Um, I'll just take my coach now, whatever. I'll take Colonel Sanders from KFC. Ooh. I mean, That's a good pick. I, I saw him redone as an anime character, and I thought he looked super athletic in that image. I haven't seen that. I just I just think of the old guy like Colonel Sanders, whether it's the logo or the ones that we've seen where they, you know, had those commercials where they would have like a different actor every month or something like that. Bit of an older guy. So uh, from that standpoint, I want him as a coach, but he's obviously a seasoned veteran. He's been in the business game for a while. He's obviously a smart dude. And obviously KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, he's in the area with Louisville and Kentucky basketball, which are obviously big basketball areas. He, he probably knows some ball, so I'll take Colonel Sanders. That's a great pick. Great from a recruiting strategy, and he kind of looks like Phil Jackson. So you can yeah. maybe get, you know, sneak Phil Jackson in there. I, I love that pick. Here's my problem. I've got four people left on my board, and I only have three spots, and I'm really upset that I'm going to have to leave one of them off. So I'll start at my point guard. Uh, I'm going to take the Torchies Taco Devil. Um, he's a tiny guy. He's a little mischievous, but, uh, you know, look, the devil, I'm pretty sure it's either a commandment or a sin is like, don't steal things. And so, um, he's probably very good at that. And yeah, I think he'll be the kind of galvanizing presence to be kind of like, um, you know, to kind of mess with the other team. I'm taking the Torchies devil. Um, was he on your board? No, I didn't even have that. But to be clear, I also, uh, I don't think I've ever eaten Torchies. Um, I've heard the queso is great. They also, as a company, dropped off some coupons here as like a thank you to us for nothing that we did. But the coupons that they dropped off were expired like two months ago when they dropped them off. So it's kind of like just a middle finger to us, I think. So uh, not not a big Torchies guy personally. But um, yeah, I, I think that's a good pick. I, I didn't think of that. But now that you know, you bring it up, sounds smart. Yeah, well, I'm going to, I have two, I'm going to save my two for my small forward, or I have two different picks that could go there, and I'm going to take my coach. I'm going to take the Taco Bueno Thought Bubble. Um, for those who do not know, Taco Bueno is like a better Taco Bell. It's like a little bit nicer, a little bit of a, like a more real establishment, but still fast food. Um, they had it in Tulsa, where I grew up. Yeah, a bunch and in the Texas. Mascot, yeah, that the mascot or the the thing is a literal like word bubble, and I think it's saying like yum or taco or something. And so we know my guy can communicate; he can yell out from the sideline and talk to the team. You don't have to worry about picking a problematic mascot or something that can be canceled. We've already gone over a few of those earlier today. Yeah, I'm going to take the Taco Bueno word bubble. I guess would be the way to put it. And uh, yeah, we'll have great communication on my team. But the problem there is because he is a thought bubble, I'm going to be able word to bubble. see every word, word bubble. bubble. I'm going to be able to see everything, right? Like, I mean, if he calls out a play, it's going to be written for everyone to see. Like, I'm going to know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, well, I guess we're just going to have to out-execute you. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you'll just have to have, like, signals and, and signs and stuff like that. Okay, I have... Well, we, uh, can't, we can't have signals and signs because he is quite literally a word no. bubble. He, yeah, he actually true. has to communicate that way. That's tough for you. Um, 
Okay, so I have... Yeah, you took two picks there. Okay, I have back-to-back picks. I need a big man, preferably center, and I need another guard. Um, oh, gosh. Okay, I'm going to, for my guard position, and this will kind of be, a, a, I think, a good matchup for your devil from Torchies. I'm going to go with the Noid from Domino's. Huh. Do you even know what the Noid is? Is the Noid the Domino? No, the Noid is like, it, it was like really popular as their uh, whatever, I don't know, pizza mascot or, or however you want to say it, back in, I want to say like the 80s or 90s or something like that. And then they, they started bringing it back like a year ago or something. He pops up in the occasional commercial. He's just kind of this like weird looking dude with like rabbit ears who's kind of small and he he's annoying. He's pestering, but he's really quick. He's really fast. Um, I think that'll be a good matchup on the other end with the devil from Torchies. They'll be able to kind of go back and forth on each other. Two little quick guys. And then for the big man, I'm stuck between two. Um, so I have on here. Cuppy from Dunkin' Donuts, who's just like a, a giant cup with arms and legs. And, and then I have uh, the Curly Cone mascot from Dairy Queen, which, again, it's just like a, an ice cream cone, Curly Cone with um, arms and legs. I, I think the advantage to having Cuppy is that he's going to be like a better interior defender. He's wider. He has more girth to him. Uh, whereas with the Curly Cone, he's got good height, but he doesn't have as much you know, strength to him. So I, I think I want a center. I can play the king from BK at the four. For, so I guess I'll go Cuppy from Dunkin' Donuts. So I Googled Cuppy just to see what Cuppy looks like, and Cuppy is actually a DJ. So um, uh, what what was the name of the restaurant that Cuppy came from? Did you say Dunkin'? Yes, Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. Oh, yeah, Cuppy's a good pick. I was thinking, for some reason, I was thinking Cuppy was a giant donut, but I now understand that Cuppy is a giant cup, and that, yes. that actually that's not a track. Yes, quite literally. <laughs> It is in his name. Okay, you have one last pick. You could, I don't know, you need a guard or you could just slide someone to a different position. I, I need a wing. I, I, I need a three. That's what I have open. Um, so I'm between three here. I really wanted to take the Bucky's gopher, and that was uh, for mm. Matt Galloway, but I think he's off the board um, because I, I, I can't play him at the three. That's just not enough size. I also wanted to take the Einstein Bros brothers, Melvin and Elmo, sticking with my trend yeah. of taking more players than are actually allowed for my basketball team. Um, but I don't think they'd actually be good at it. I think they'd be better as assistant coaches. I'm taking the Starbucks siren, and I'm putting her at the three. Um, first of all, I think we're going to be able to expand into a brand-new kind of sect marketing-wise by you know opening our team up and, and having a, a more diverse and interesting team. It's also more diverse food because we're you know bringing in the, the fast food coffee and, and somewhat food audience. But most importantly, at first I actually thought uh, the Starbucks person was Medusa, and I was planning to like paralyze your team and turn them into stone. Um, but in this case, as it actually turns out, I think um, don't sirens like sing songs and make you like crash boats or something. So yeah, they um, do. I think that's but a valuable skill set to have on my team. Is the Starbucks logo is it a siren or is it a mermaid? And is there a difference? I honestly don't know. Well, uh, if it is a mer person and we end up playing water polo or water basketball, then uh. we're going to dominate that. So I feel I feel more versatile. I feel like my team has more versatility. Um, and and yeah, my only regret is that I couldn't get my guys, uh, my Einstein Bros, uh, on my team. I think that's a real bummer because I really enjoy their food. By the way, that just brought up like a, a crazy fun idea to me. You know how you have like the 
You have the U.S. Open, which is on the regular court, and then you have, like, the French Open, which is on the clay, and then you have Wimbledon, which is on grass. Like, you have these different surfaces. Uh, they've been talking about in the NBA, and, and it sounds like they're going to do it in, like, a year or two or something, this, like, in-season tournament. They should do the in-season tournament on different surfaces. So it's like you have water basketball, you have pool basketball for, for one game. You have, you know, grass basketball somehow. You have outdoor basketball like Rucker Park or something. Yeah, no, I, I think it would be, a, first of all, guys play at Rucker Park, as you know, like all the time you yeah. can see videos of like NBA stars going out there and dominating. So, no, I think that'd be super fun. You know, they're playing the, the college game, obviously, on like an airship carrier, which hasn't necessarily worked well in the past. I think it'd be fun. It would never happen. Guys would never agree to it. Imagine like a grass basketball court or something <laughs> like that, like going the tennis route. Um, it would be cool. It would be fun and innovative. It'll just never happen. Um and, by the way, as an aside, if they, they really need to cut down the number of NBA games in the season. So I'm actually glad they're doing this. I think it'll encourage guys to play the full season, especially if there are some incentives for this tournament. So I think that'll be really cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, uh, quick honorable mentions here. Obviously, Ronald McDonald, but we mentioned why both of us didn't end up picking him. I said Dairy Queen, the curly cone. I thought Wendy could have been a good coach from Wendy's, obviously. Um, how about the dog from Raising Canes? But I have no idea what position it would play. I think that'd just be like a mascot or maybe for some morale. Um, the Arby's oven mitt. You could have a floating hand, but I don't really know what all it could do outside of play defense. Uh, the Chick-fil-A cow at center, but again, no hands, right? If I could combine the Chick-fil-A cow with the oven mitt from Arby's, you might have, you know, basically Michael Jordan. <laughs> LeBron could never. No, um, I also had the Los Pollos Hermanos chicken ah. um, from the Breaking Bad universe. I thought about doing that. Friendlies, which I've never heard of, uh, their mascot is a tiger. So I thought that that could be um, a good one. And I'm, I'm happy neither of us went with Little Caesars or Long John Silver. Um, and, and before you run through our teams one last time and, and send us off, I would like to set a stipulation for whatever our draft is next week, which is that one of us, gets to or each of us gets to make one pick for the other person so the last pick in the draft each way we get to make for the other person i love that i love that rule okay we will do that here are the teams uh, we'll put this up you can vote at rcsc 1320 my coach is colonel sanders point guard the noid shooting guard the hamburglar three man is Subman from subway four <laughs> is the king from burger king and my five is cuppy from dunkin donuts Scott's team is coached by Taco Bueno Thought Bubble. Uh, his point guard is the Devil from Torchy's Tacos. His shooting guard is Wada Guy from Whataburger. His three is a siren slash mermaid, whatever it is, from Starbucks. The four man is Jack in the Box, and his five is Grimace from McDonald's. Yeah, I actually think I might win this one, which is not how I thought this was going to go when we started drafting today. But I think what I realized is there are no good picks. The only picks are bad picks. So I think we both did the best with what we had. Yes, we did. I think Grimace is the difference. Best player on the board. He is Scott Chasen. Scott, I appreciate the time and talk to you next week. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Scott Chasen, our draft of fast food characters. Again, you can go vote on that on our Twitter account at RCST1320. Two hours down, one to go for Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk. Coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, we get back to some KU football positional previews. Let's get to the fullbacks and tight ends. That on the other side. So Trevor Cardell returns to this tight end group. Six foot five, 252-pound redshirt sophomore. He has three years left of play. 
Then you have Jared Casey, and Cardell's a two-sport athlete, baseball player as well, really athletic tight end. Jared Casey is obviously uh, you know, the the Lawrence uh, sweetheart, America's sweetheart, whatever you want to say, six-foot, 251-pound redshirt sophomore. He, too, has three years left of play after breaking out at the end of last season, formerly a walk-on. I would hope at this point he's done enough to earn a scholarship. Maybe Gosh, we'll see. I would hope so. <laughs> I, see, I don't know if that's something that just already happened, or, or maybe they're waiting to, like, you know, release a video like that would be one or of those may- cool videos, you know, that you see. Or maybe he's uh, using his NIL money to pay for school. Yeah, could be. Uh, that Applebee's deal was right. I don't know if good. it was. I don't know how much Applebee's money. He no, got, I don't though. know. Um, I don't know either. But still, <laughs> he's just like going up to the registrar's office. Do you accept Applebee's gift cards? <laughs> uh, so Mac Moeller is a six foot three, two hundred thirty three pound redshirt freshman. He has four years left to play. Young player, uh, redshirted after coming over from Bishop Miege. I don't know if he's on scholarship or a walk on. Mac Copeland is a six foot four, two hundred fifty five pound redshirt senior. He has two years left to play though, even though he's a redshirt senior because of COVID year. Mostly been a special teams player over the course of his career. Again, another guy. I don't know if he's on scholarship or walk on. Then you have Will Huggins, certainly a scholarship player. He was a a really big get for KU when they got him a couple years ago um, out of the Shawnee area. Six foot seven, great size, two hundred fifty pound redshirt sophomore. He has three years left to play. Really athletic player. We haven't seen a ton of him. His one catch in his college career it was a twenty yard touchdown. That was two years ago. Haven't seen a ton of him, but I, I really like the potential at some point, whether it's this year or down the road, for Will Huggins. Mason Fairchild is a six foot five, two hundred sixty-one pound senior. He was the guy most of the time last year. He has two years left to play, though, even though he is a senior because of the COVID year. And then Spencer Rowe, who is that kind of fullback tight end hybrid, um, he's six foot three, two hundred sixty-five pounds. He is a redshirt senior, but again, because of the COVID year, he also has two years left to play. So everyone I just mentioned there. You know, it's not quite to what the running backs were where everyone is like an underclassman, but everyone in the tight end room, if they want to, has at least two years left of play. Again, like if you're a redshirt senior and maybe you're not a scholarship player, even though you could have two years left of play um, because of the COVID year, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to use it. But if they want to, then they can have multiple years left to play from all these tight ends who already returned from last year this is a a really big similarity from what we saw out of the running back class where a lot of them still have plenty of time to play and I would also say the fullback and tight end group is deep and talented Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of these guys were you know not they weren't four or five star recruits or anything but all guys that like in the case Trevor Cardell like that was a big deal he's very athletic player two sport athlete you know, I mentioned with Will Huggins, that was a very big get in state for you. Uh, these guys were were very sizable gets for for KU, and then you add the the other newcomer to the list, which is the lone newcomer at the position, uh, a, a JUCO transfer in Tavita Noah, and he is a six foot four, two hundred fifty six pound junior. Although it's tough figuring out how many years he has left because technically he right. is a junior coming from JUCO. Does that mean he has two years? Does it mean one of his years at JUCO was technically a COVID year, so that would give him three years. Can I, he still redshirt? I honestly wish there was some database we could find that <laughs> says this player has this amount of years left. I just wish, like, again, this goes back to, like, wanting uniformity in, in college, you know, athletics right. where you had, like, a 
uh, a commissioner essentially of college athletics and then a lot of teams did stuff the same to where every team would just be because you have some teams who already take into account the COVID year and they list on the roster like oh no we're, we already have, have taken that account other teams like KU doesn't list them until they get to the senior year and then they're like they you know they could come back for a super senior year or whatever it is for the COVID year I wish that they just like said that this is his COVID year classification or whatever. Uh, so I, I don't know. He could have two years left to play with a possible red shirt. He could have two years play without a possible red shirt. He could possibly even have three years left to play and a fourth if he red shirt him, mm. which again, keep in mind the red shirt rules nowadays over the last couple of years, you can still play four games. So um, I don't know if that's a possibility for him because by all accounts, he seems to be kind of a, a ready-made tight end. He was previously committed to TCU, comes from Snow College, and he was a three-star prospect. He was actually ranked as the number three junior college tight end. Um, known for his blocking, didn't have a ton of receiving, but that is very much a need for KU, uh, a tight end who can come in there and block because KU right. certainly had their struggles at the position last year, which we'll get into here in a second. As far as returning production of note, outside of uh, you know having the newcomer in Tavita Noah, uh, Trevor Cardell had five catches for 86 yards last year. All of that production, though, came over the final four games, including three catches in the last two. Then you had Jared Casey, who, like, it it was night and day what that Texas game did. It yeah. wasn't just a one-off where it was like, oh, he made this crazy play, this is a walk-on, like, this is a really cool story. And it would have been a great story if, if nothing else happened from there. But it only got added to... Over the next two weeks against TCU and West Virginia, Jared Casey went for eight catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns. He was basically KU's second-best receiver outside of Kwame Lasseter at the tight end position, and he found quite the connection with Jalen Daniels. And we found out over the course of it that, you know, you talk to a lot of the teammates, and they would say that, like, no, we, we've always, like, known Jared Casey has the best hands on the team. But when you're a six-foot tight end – who isn't knowing for, you know, having like a 4 five forty or something, you don't always expect that guy to make a big impact. Right. But he did, and, and he grew on it, and that was that was an awesome story to see his breakout. And obviously, like, size does – there's like a giant con, – there's a giant contrast between Cardell, Fairchild, Huggins, Copeland, uh, stuff like right. that. But, and I mean big because it's 6-0 and you go to 6-5, 6-3, and stuff like that. But – um, obviously he became that sort of, I wouldn't say playmaker, but he was, you know, the guy, a lot of the catches that we saw were probably just seams just going up and down. And that's where he would get a lot of his, that's where he would get a lot of his yardage. And I know that's also how he got his touchdown against West Virginia. I think it was in the first half. Yeah, it was in the first half. Uh, and he was, he was able to, you know, score, I wouldn't say score at will, but imagine if he did this on a consistent basis and on a consistent level. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking – like, seriously, that pace, if you're averaging four catches for 50 yards and a touchdown a game as a tight end in college football, you're going to be a first-team All-Big 12 tight end. Like, seriously, that is the right. type of production that you got there out of uh, Jared Casey those last two games. And he actually wound up with KU's best receiving grade on Pro Football Focus. It's more of a limited sample for him, obviously. It was an 86 grade. But KU targeted him 10 times over the course of the season. He caught eight of them, right? That's – Really good uh, production that you're getting there uh, in terms of uh, being efficient and everything. And then Mason Fairchild, he was he was really the guy over the course of the season. He had a really good game in the opener against South Dakota. Had a couple nice like one-handed grabs over the course of the season. He had 13 catches 
for 128 yards on the season and a touchdown. Over the course of his career, he has 20 catches for 217 yards. And over the final four games, which really for him was the final three games because he missed one of them, he had four catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. So you may notice a, a trend there of me talking about the final four games. And obviously that goes in line when KU was their most competitive, was at their best of the season, and also when Jalen Daniels was playing and really brought some good passing uh, to the KU offense. But that means over the final four games, from that tight end uh, position, KU got really good production. 17 catches, 231 yards over the final four games from that position. So you extrapolate that out to a 12-game sample, that's 51 catches, almost 700 yards from that spot, which again, as I mentioned, like that would be really good numbers. If you guaranteed that you could even have 600 yards from that tight end position over the course of this season, I think you'd take it and run with it. Um, and it's just kind of a lot of different guys that, that factored into it. I'm sure that's how it'll be this year. And even then, like I said, Fairchild missed a game, so maybe that adds a, a little bit more. Right. Will Huggins still hasn't broken out, which, again, seems to be a guy with, uh, I think, a lot of potential. You didn't even have Tavita Noah, who you have this year. Uh, this feels like a position group that, to your point, has a lot of talent and, and potential this year. Yeah, I agree. And not only that, but depth mm -hmm. as well. You have talent at tight end one, talent at tight end two. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> talent at tight end three, one through three. Because honestly, you could debate that it could go with the tight end, probably Fairchild, and then at two, you could swap between Jared Casey and Trevor Cardell because Mason Fairchild has been tight end one for two or three years now at KU or um however long he's been with Kansas but uh he's been he's been the top, he's been the number one tight end for a while and he has delivered time and again so he might be the go-to guy and it's it's also you could also put part of that because of his size 6'5 261 pounds and he's a guy that I think is definitely going to be a great receiver for Kansas uh hopefully a great blocker I'm not saying he wasn't one but I just I just don't have a sample size to see if he um, helped out in a big way or not. But I also know, you know, having guys like Jared Casey and Trevor Cardell really goes a long way. Yeah, so as far as that that depth chart, like you said, I, I guess right now I'd assume Fairchild's is the starter. But the way Jared Casey played, like that two-game stretch from Jared Casey was probably better than anything we saw from the other tight end. So it wouldn't really shock me if Jared Casey ends up being the starter. But, yeah, you're right. I think between Fairchild, Casey, Cardell, like it wouldn't surprise me if any of those are the starter. They rotate. Like I said, I, I still think there's a potential there for for uh, Huggins at some point. And then I think you look at Tavita Noah. He'll just get consistent playing time because he's going to be the best run blocker there. He'll be kind of that road grader tight end. Um, maybe you use Spencer Rowe at fullback. Maybe if it's more of an H-back role, like if it's for blocking, maybe we see Tavita Noah in as like a fullback or H-back. Maybe we even see Jared Casey because of the, the lower height right. in at certain possessions in as that kind of H-back guy in motion or, or fullback type, like that would make a lot of sense there. But I think you're going to see a lot of bodies playing there, and and that works out for KU because this is a team that probably wants to run a lot of one, two tight end sets, maybe even some formations where it's a three tight end set. So you're going to need a lot of depth in that situation to overcome injuries, to overcome guys getting tired, to fit guys into different situations that most fit them. It works out for KU that, that this seems to be a deeper position uh, than we've seen over the past couple of years. The key question, though, for me is, one, is what we saw at the end of last year, you know, kind of in the same light that we talked about Jalen Daniels. 
is this going to be a real breakout for this position in the receiving game like they showed over the last four games? But the bigger question for me, honestly, is just about the run blocking because I, I think we've seen enough there that they can be threats in the receiving game. For them to be effective and for KU to actually you know, succeed and, and be successful at a lot of those two or maybe three tight end sets, obviously those guys have to be good in the run block game. Spencer Rowe had a 61 run block grade, which was actually, if you compare it to other fullbacks, pretty average to above average among fullbacks nationally. Uh, but if you're going to play a fullback, you, you want even more than that. Um, but well, I mean, especially if you think about like uh, just like a dive up the middle or something like right. that, and you need that lead blocker. I mean, you need a guy that's above average at least. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, this is where the trouble starts for the tight end. So Jared Casey had a 60 run block grade. Again, like, 70 is like average, so, you know, sometimes 65 depending on the position or what it is, but like 70 is about average on pro football, pro football focus here. So Jared Casey had a 60 run block grade, and that was actually best among these tight ends. Well, in fairness, he was a fullback for nine weeks. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, Trevor Cardell had just a 57 run block grade. Mason Fairchild was a 56 Trevor or uh, Will Huggins was a 55 in very limited action. So, like, you, you need to improve there. And among players, like, just to give you a comparison, because you might be saying, okay, I understand you're saying that grade, but what does that mean? Um, if, we, if we extrapolate out and look at the entire Big 12, among players who qualified playing enough snaps, Jared Casey wouldn't qualify, didn't play enough snaps. Trevor Cardell would be KU's highest run-blocking tight end. He would only rank 12th among Big 12 tight ends. Again, there are 10 teams in the Big 12, so ideally you want to at least be in the top 10 as a starter, but you'd prefer to be even higher than that. They're 12th. Now, if you take the snap minimum out, so this is accounting for every tight end who played snaps in the Big 12, the highest-ranked KU run blocker was Rowe, who ranked 26th, but again, he's technically a fullback. Jared Casey would rank 29th. So KU's tight ends need to get a lot better at blocking, and that's just kind of the bottom line here because this has a lot of talent overall at the uh, at the tight end position. Um, but with those run blocking struggles, with the overall inconsistencies, you didn't get what you fully wanted out of that group last year. So if that stuff changes, I think we saw the emergence of Jared Casey. Uh, there's a lot of talent in that room. You add on Tavita Noah to really help with with that specific area, the the run blocking. That I'm confident what this tight end room can be. I just need to see it as far as the run blocking stuff because that's going to open the world up for you in terms of the playbook to use some of these different formations and, and different alignments that could really add to your running game with those really talented running backs. That is our fullback tight end preview. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson.